Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. We are so glad to have you here again. Today is number 16. Oh, sweet 16. 16. Yes. We are journeying through the Message Version Bible and doing it in one year, and we are so happy to have you along on this journey. Oh, absolutely. I love getting together and reading. And I love knowing that there's people out there that join us. Or if you can explain something that we may have read that I don't quite get, like maybe Jacob. I have some questions about Jacob and his behaviors. Or if you have thoughts or a different viewpoint on something, yes. we do not claim to know everything. We claim to know most of it, but you know. Well, maybe you do, <laughs> but... I'll no. firmly stay off that I know it, but so. we we are very humble, and if and if we've made a mistake or if we need correction somewhere along the way, and you've listened to something, mm -hmm. please don't be afraid to reach out. We would love to have a conversation with you. Definitely. So as always, we're going to have the text that we're reading out of listed below. So if you're following along in your favorite translation, feel free to look that up, or if you want to just let us do the hard job of reading. Just grab a cup of coffee, put us on in the background, and we'd be happy to do that for you. Absolutely. And maybe get a few chuckles as we butcher some names along the oh, way. Oh, yeah, and that's going to happen today. So please, oh, when I get to Genesis, right. just buckle up. That's oh, all I'm saying. Grace. Grace yes. and more grace. So before we get started here, we're just going to say a quick little prayer, and we'll jump right in. So Father God, thank you so much for just the privilege of being able to read your word, grow a little closer to you and get to know who you are on just a more intimate level. Thank you for this opportunity. Please just invade our hearts and minds with your Holy Spirit. Bless us with your word and just make the path that we're supposed to be on and what we're supposed to learn from this today, just light that path so that we know exactly where to go. I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. We're going to be reading out of Matthew 6 today, starting out, and Heidi will be starting at verse 25. All right. We're talking about a life of God worship. I skimmed ahead. There's things in here I like. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God in the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. 
you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Kind of the whole basis behind Set Free 24-7 is just live one day at a time. God's going to take care of you. I heard it said once that all you have to do is worry about doing the next right thing. And that resonated with me so much because there were so many times before where I would get frozen or paralyzed in acting because I would look at this huge mountain that I had to cross. And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea how to cross that mountain. Mm -hmm. And it's really just listening to God say, well, you start out with just this step here and then you take another step right? and then you take another step. A funny one that I heard was, how do you eat an elephant? It's it's impossible. Well, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Absolutely. Same analogy. Somebody said, picture a room just packed full of food and them saying, you need to eat this. And you're like, that is impossible until you realize that's all the food you're going to eat in your lifetime. Uh, What you thought was impossible isn't because it was one bite at a time, day by day. Now we're going to bounce forward a little bit to Acts chapter 9. And remember, this is when Saul had lost his vision. He's in the city. He had fasted for a couple days. And now Ananias has been told, you need to go and talk to him. And this is, remember, Saul is the guy who's throwing people in jail and prison. People dying and being executed and jailed for being Christian. And so here's Saul now. He has an arrest warrant from the high priest or whatever. He's got this already. He's ready to go on a mission. And he's in this city now, blind. And Ananias has been asked to go by God Mm -hmm. to go and talk with him. So Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul and said, Brother Saul, the master sent me. The same Jesus that you saw on your way here He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Hmm. Saul spent a few days getting acquainted with the Damascus disciples, but then went right to work, wasting no time preaching in the meeting places that this Jesus was the Son of God. They were caught off guard by this and not at all sure they could trust him. They kept saying, but isn't this the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem amongst the believers? Can you seriously imagine that? I know. Just one a couple days before, here you are jailing people, killing people. Right. Like his personality, man, he is like all in. He's a, there is no let's just dip our toes in the water, man. This guy cannonballs into everything he decides to do. That's why I said he reminds me of you, not because you're a Christian persecutor, uh, but you're a cannonballer. I mean, you are just like oh, when cannonballs are fun. So, uh, and picking back up here. Isn't this the same man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem among the believers? And didn't he come here to do the same thing, arrest us and drag us off to jail in Jerusalem for sentencing by the high priests? But their suspicions didn't slow Saul down for even a minute. 
His momentum was up now, and he plowed straight into the opposition, disarming the Damascus Jews and trying to show them that this Jesus was the Messiah. After this had gone on quite a long time, some Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul got wind of it. They were watching the city gates around the clock so that they could kill him. Then one night, the disciples engineered his escape by lowering him over the wall in a basket. Back in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't trust him one bit. I don't think we really put that enough into context. I know. How, Imagine. Yeah, you really, you have this guy who's just on a rampage for one way, and then all of a sudden he just shows up and says, oh, I'm on your team now. The other thing I think we need to keep in mind is, can you imagine, talk about getting hit in the convictions. He knew what he had done yeah. to Christians. Yes. He had to live with that. And I cannot imagine the, the weight. weight and the burden of that and why he feels such an urgency mm. to now, I need people to know about this Jesus. Oh, I can't even imagine. So back in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't trust him one bit. And then Barnabas took him under his wing. He introduced him to the apostles and stood up for him, told them how Saul had seen and spoken to the master on the Damascus road, and how in Damascus itself he had laid his life on the line with his bold preaching in Jesus' name. After that, he was accepted as one of them, going in and out of Jerusalem with no questions asked, uninhibited as he preached in the Master's name. But then he ran afoul of a group called the Hellenists. He had been engaged in a running argument with them, who plotted his murder. When his friends learned of the plot, they got him out of town, took him to Caesarea, and then shipped him off to Tarsus. Things calmed down after that, and the church had smooth sailing for a while. All over the country, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, the church grew. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. The Holy Spirit was with them, strengthening them, and they prospered wonderfully. Peter went off on a mission to visit all of the churches. In the course of the, his travels, he arrived in Lydda and met with the believers there. He came across a man, his name was Ananias, who had been in bed for eight years, paralyzed. Peter said, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And he did, jumped right out of bed. Everybody who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him walking around and woke up to the fact that God was alive and active among them. Down the road away in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, gazelle in our language. She was well known for doing good and helping out. During the time Peter was in the area, she became sick and died. Her friends prepared her body for burial and put her in a cool room. Some of the disciples had heard that Peter was visiting in nearby Lydda and sent two men to ask if he would be so kind as to come over. Peter got right up and went with them. They took him into the room where Tabitha's body was laid out. Her old friends, most of them widows, were in the room mourning. They showed Peter pieces of clothing the gazelle had made while she was with them. Peter put the widows all out of the room. He knelt and prayed, and then he spoke directly to the body. Habitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. 
He took her hand and helped her up, and then he called in the believers and widows and presented her to them alive. When this became known all over Joppa, many put their trust in the master. Peter stayed on a long time in Joppa as a guest of Simon the Tanner. Oh, another beautiful story. It is. It is. And a woman that was known for doing amazing things. I love how God drops women throughout the Mm. Bible and talks about the good that they did and how they served in the church. Yes. The church isn't all men. God loved and used his daughters also. All the time. Love it. Yes. And so now we're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi's going to be starting out here with Psalm number 16. Yes, David. Here we go. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God. I run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. And these God-chosen lives all around, what splendid friends they make. Don't just go shopping for a God. Gods are not for sale. I swear I'll never treat God names like brand names. My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and yard, and then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. I love that. God can give you counsel throughout the day, but man, I think about that. It's confirmed by my sleeping Mm. heart. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting go. I just love that so much because I get it now. Mm. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. You really like reading the Psalms, don't you? They've been speaking to you. God knows exactly what I need to hear right now. So this is truly, it's a blessing to me to share with you these these sounds and these readings that just so profoundly hit me. In some ways, I feel like that brand new baby Christian, even though I was raised into a family that, you know, I I did learn the Bible forwards and backwards, but I just learned it from an intellect, like I've read it and had knowledge of it. But this is, God has made it real. And I'm, oh, and David just puts into words what I feel and it just moves me to tears. They're not bad tears. It's just so joyful. Yes. So joyful. When we go to church, just a little FYI, if you ever (laughs) have the opportunity to come to church with us and maybe you want to sit next to us, we do have to have a little space right next to Heidi for the Kleenexes. Oh, yes. Uh, Every church service, (laughs) uh, whether it's songs, whether it's something in the message, but And I love that, that you're not afraid to allow Mm -hmm. the emotions that are real, that are speaking to you in that moment to just be and for you to be present with those emotions. Absolutely. I struggled with that initially because I was embarrassed of my tears. Yeah. And then talk about convictions. It's like Jesus looking at me and said, you're embarrassed that the tears 
you have are because you're so joyful for what I've given you. You're embarrassed of that? Yeah. And I'm like, never again will I be ashamed of a single tear that I shed out of joy for Jesus. Never. Sorry. No, no, you're so good. We don't have any Kleenexes here, so she's using my yeah, she's using my sleeve and and now we'll be bouncing back to Genesis and we're ending today with Genesis chapter 36. Oh, I can't wait. Let's see what we've got in Genesis. And again, before I get started here in Genesis, I'm just going to say I need some grace. There are a lot of names today. I'm going to do my best, but let's power through this together. So I don't know what kind of game you want to make of this or whatever, just to get through it. But just know I'm really trying. It's okay to laugh because trust me, we both are and we struggle through these. So here we go. Genesis chapter 36. This is the family tree of Esau, who is also called Edom. Oh, you got the whole family tree. I got the family. This is a whole chapter of family tree. So yeah, and uh, there were plenty of branches on this thing. Esau married women of Canaan, Ada, daughter of Elon the Hittite, Oholabimah, daughter of Anah, and the granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, and Basemath, the daughter of Ishmael and sister of Nebaioth. Ada gave Esau Eliphaz, Basemath had Reol, Oholabimah had Jewish, and Jalam and Korah. These were the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. All right, made it through the first few. Yes. Esau gathered up his wives, sons and daughters, and everyone in his household, along with all of his livestock, all of the animals and possessions that he had gotten in Canaan, and moved a considerable distance away from his brother Jacob. The brothers had too many possessions to live together in the same place. The land couldn't support their combined herds of livestock. So Esau ended up settling in the hill country of Seir, Esau and Edom are the same. So this is the family tree of Esau, ancestor of the people of Edom in the hill country of Seir. The names of Esau's sons were Eliphaz, son of Esau's wife Ada, Ruel, son of Esau's wife Basemath. The sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Eliphaz also had a concubine, Tima, who had Amalek. These are the grandsons of Esau's wife, Ada. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, Zerah, Shema, and Mizah, grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Ohablimah. I really need help with that one. <laughs> Oholabimah, daughter of Ana, the son of Zibion, she gave Esau his sons, Jewish, Jalem, and Korah. These are the chieftains in Esau's family tree. From the sons of Eliphaz, Esau's firstborn, came the chieftains Timon, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. The chieftains of Eliphaz in the land of Edom, all of them were sons of Ada. From the sons of Esau's son Ruel came the chieftains Nahath, Zerah, Shema, and Mizah. These are the chieftains of Ruel in the land of Edom. All of these were sons of Esau's wife, Basemath. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Oholabimah. The chieftains, Zeus, Jalem, and Korah. The chieftains born of Esau's wife, Oholabimah, daughter of Ana. These are the sons of Esau, that is, Edom, and these are their chieftains. 
This is the family tree of Seir the Horite, who were native to that land. Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Ana, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishon. These are the chieftains of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Homam. Lotan's sister was Timnah. The sons of Shobal were Alvan, Manath, Ebal, Shepo, and Onam. The sons of Zibion were Ea, Anna, and this is the same Anna who was found in the hot springs in the wilderness while herding his father Zibion's donkeys. The children of Anna were Dishon and his daughter Oholibimah. The sons of Dishon were Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Kiran. The sons of Ezer were Bilhan, Zavan, and Achan. The sons of Dishan were Uz and Aran. And these were the Horite chieftains, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan, the Horite chieftains clan by clan in the land of Seir. And these are the kings who ruled in Edom before there was a king in Israel. Bela, son of Beor, was the king in Edom. The name of his city was Dinhaba. When Bela died, Jobab, son of Zerah, from Bozrah, came the next king. You are doing really well. I am trying. There's a lot so, of vowels so here. There are a lot, and you're handling them well. When Jobab died, he was followed by Hushan from the land of the Temanites. When Hushan died, he was followed by Hadad, son of Bedad. Hadad, son of Bedad. <laughs> Do you think that's Hadad? <laughs> Bedad, Bedad. <laughs> He was the king who defeated the Midianites in Moab. The name of his city was Avith. When Hadad died, Samia of Masrah became the next king. When Samla died, Shal from Rehoboth on the river became king. When Shal died, he was followed by Baal-Hanan, son of Echbor. When Baal-Hanan, son of Echbor, died, Hadad became king. The name of his city was Pau. His wife's name was Methalbel, daughter of Matrid, daughter of Mizahab. And these are the chieftains from the line of Esau, clan by clan, region by region. Timnah, Alba, Jetheth, Olabima, Elah, Hinnan, Hinaz, Heman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Eram, the chieftains of Edom as they occupied their various regions. This accounts for the family tree of Esau, ancestor of all Edomites and praise the Lord that is the end of chapter 36 they rolled right off your tongue oh man I mean God bless them but look at the history that's given there and it helps verify that this is historical and can be traced and I was gonna say too you know sometimes we brush over the lineage chapters, but can you imagine being one of those names that is listed in this book? Yeah. Can you imagine the pride for your family and knowing like we are in this book and there are families, I'm sure during this time that could trace that lineage right. back and see that history, hear the history. So, but coming from Esau's family this isn't israel sure. and these were historically became enemies right and continues to this day this warfare between jacob and esau Still continues happening.
But Jacob, God said that land will always be there. Always. It's just, it's fascinating just to see the historical beginnings of what we continue to see today. It's fascinating to me. And you did really well with those names. Thank you for not making me read that. And thank you, everybody out there, for showing me a little grace. I hope that you didn't spit out your coffee as I was fumbling through any of that. That's not how you say that. Just know that my heart is true and wanting to pronounce those names correctly. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's at the end of the day what matters. We appreciate having you along this journey through the message. It's been just a blessing to us running through this every day and just having some people join along Mm -hmm. with us. It's been just a great journey and we are so happy to have you along with. Oh, we absolutely are. Can't wait to get together and do this again. So thanks again for joining along today and we will see you next time for episode 17. Thanks again, everyone. See you next time, everyone.